and welcome to Foundations for Discipleship. This is the podcast that seeks to help build disciples as we are working through the discipleship study called Foundations, Bible Truths for Christian Growth. I'm Alan Brace, and joining me is Senior Pastor of Tri-City Baptist Church, Tim Barr. Greetings, Pastor Tim. Hey, Alan. How are you doing? Well, doing fairly well. On, uh, on this podcast, uh, we'll, get, we'll get into Chapter 6 of our book uh, tonight, and the topic is prayer. Uh, like the first paragraph in the book, many of us, uh, I think, have to confess that our prayer lives are not what they should be or what they could be, I think. I think so, a lot of people um, would even go so far as if we were to ask, what is your prayer life like? I wonder how many people that even are going to be mentors would sit there and go, I'm not sure I pray very often. Right. And I, you know, unfortunately, there's a, not really a metric as to you know, I need to pray six times a day, like certain other religions are, but uh, we're we're told to pray without ceasing. You and know, so you mentioned other religions. It's actually interesting to me that not every religion defines prayer in the same way. Like, like for us, how do you kind of envision prayer? Well, uh, you know, to sort of point out what our book says, our book says it's communication with God, which is true. But I think that there are, are two different types of those, uh, two different types of prayer. I think there's the prayer that focuses on God as the object of our worship, uh, of our devotion and our reverence. And then there's sort of the, um, I guess, supplication, which focuses on God as our source of help or our source of help in times of need. And, and any other requests that we may have. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of people envision prayer as predominantly like a prayer list where you bring a whole bunch of your wants and needs to God. But I really love that. The, the real focus of prayer is communicating with God and worshiping him. And I think it's an important part that our book really highlights well. I think the neat part of all of that is that God really wants to hear from us and is willing and eager to answer us. Um, uh, th- that to me is just a, a phenomenal thing that the God of the universe is willing to take time out to hear from us and, and uh, is willing and able and eager to hear from us. You know, I, I think so often um, as we kind of think about the need, the desire for God um, to hear our prayers for us, what we're often envisioning is, um, God wants to answer the request we have, but it's interesting. If you look at Jeremiah 33, especially God asks us to call out to him. God actually wants us to talk with him. He wants the communication. Um, maybe the way we think of it as a parent, you know, I'm a parent here. Um, I want my children to communicate with me and talk with me. I don't want them to simply just give me a list of, Hey dad, I need these 10 things today. And then bye. Um, so I think that was one thing that really struck me in this is God is really desiring to hear from us, but he wants us to really commune with him. I think it's, I, I will add on to the, the child um, uh, example, you know, when your children move away from home and have their own families or what have you, you really want to keep, keep that uh, line of communication open. You still want to be involved in their lives. And how do you do that unless they call you? You know, oftentimes we don't know when to call our kids when they're because they have lives, they have businesses and so on, business work that they have to go to. And so it's it's really an amazing thing when they do call you because it's such an exciting time. And I think if we use that in just a small way, use that as a, a reminder of how much God wants to hear from us. And I really do believe God actually desires for us to pray to him. 
Um, so I think it kind of leads us into that question. Why, why should we pray? I mean, I know it sounds self-obvious, but it's not. I think we really ought to like let it get a biblical theology of why it is that we pray. Um, what's, what's our first reason? Why do we pray? Well, in the, in the first Thessalonians uh, five, uh, we find that it's commanded. Um, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to continually uh, be in a attitude of communing, communing with God, communicating with him. Yeah, and I think um, the idea that prayer is commanded does not mean that prayer is simply an obedience thing. Um, right. When I think of, say, Islam, I, I think of people who pray uh, five times a day. They do this because they must. And, right. And, and by the way, we ought to pray. We ought to pray without ceasing. The whole point of a command is that we obey the command. But I think there is also huge benefit and communion that is connected to in our prayers that I think would surprise a lot of people that are not in Christianity. Well, I think the part about praying with uh, pray without ceasing is uh, is more about uh, the relationship. And as your relationship with God is is growing, you want to do that more. And it's a command but it's a more of a gentle command in that continue to pray because that will help you. That that's a good thing for you. And that, and I think the other thing is, I think we find it's beneficial uh, to pray. Yeah. I mean, we find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Um, First Thessalonians five seventeen. 17. Um, I don't know about you, but there are times where I'm just worn out. There's times I'm confused. There's times where I'm struggling to discern God's will in my life. There's just so much, um, in the physical world that I am not wise enough to handle my own. And I need something from the spiritual world. I need what God knows to help me. And in prayer, what I find from him is, I love that we find mercy and grace, mercy when we do not get what we deserve, grace when we get what we could never deserve, that unmerited favor. When we pray, we get the benefit of those added to our life. And I think a lot of people are wishing they had mercy and grace um, for the individual needs of life. And how do we do that? We cry out to God and we pray. Well, I think that we, uh, you touched on it a minute ago. The other thing that it gives us is wisdom and and. You know, we look at Matthew 7 where, you know, we, we find out that we're supposed to ask so that it can be given and seek and we will find and so on. And, and so prayer um, is a thing where God will answer us and will give us wisdom if we ask for it and, and provide direction as we need it. Um, and in, in prayer also, I think another piece of that is that it gives us peace and time of fear and, and time of uncertainty and and balance or unbalance in our lives, I should say. You know, for me, when I think about the real benefits of prayer, James, the end of James four, but really James five for me is kind of where I always kind of land. Um, it's just, it's been really important in my own walk with the Lord. Um, verse 14, this is a pastor talking is any among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. By the way, I don't think the oil heals is a prayer of faith that raises them up. Um, but it's important to understand that prayer actually brings real healing. Um, I remember the first time I got asked to go to a, um, a bedside in a hospital, I was going to pray for someone who was sick. I, I didn't doubt that my prayers could be answered by God. My, my biggest question is, how, what do you do when someone is sick? I mean, I, I'd never been sick, never been in a hospital. Um, and I read a little snippet from a book, and the, it told me, they said, when you go into a hospital, you bring two eternal things to a hospital room. 
you bring God's word, which is eternal, and you bring prayer, which is eternal. And that was really encouraging to me. And, and over the years, I've seen when we pray for those who are sick, there, the, it, God really does answer those prayers. It makes a difference. So I, I would say one of the huge benefits, too, is um, really understanding that we are bringing the eternal and, and God's power to every event, even to our physical sicknesses, and seeing God answer. Exactly. So then how should we pray? I mean, if we find that there, there are reasons to pray that, that is beneficial, it's commanded, we're supposed to you know, can pray without ceasing, but how do we pray? How, how should we pray and, and, and do it biblically? All right. So I like to do a Trinitarian understanding of prayer because um, I think it's really important because, uh, by the way, if you want to know how to pray, we go to the Lord's Prayer. Because the, the disciple said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you start out, our Father who is in heaven. So we pray to God the Father. Then we are always told to pray in Jesus' name. So I, I know if kind of in American-style prayer, we start out our prayer with our Heavenly Father, and we end our prayer in Jesus' name. But we also know along the way, the Holy Spirit makes groanings for us, and he communicates to God the Father on our behalf. So if we think of it this way, we pray to the Father, we pray in Jesus' name while being reliant upon the Holy Spirit. So prayer is distinctly Trinitarian. I think one of the things that uh, you, you bring up a, a valid point that we're praying to the, the God of the universe, the, the holy God of the universe. And I think uh, I've heard others praying and not to pick nits or whatever. We have to be careful that we are addressing the Holy Father, uh, the Holy Heavenly Father, and uh, not be too flippant about it all and keep in mind who it is we're talking to. Yeah. And let me hit a few things that are not in the book that are becoming really popular in evangelicalism that we want to separate ourselves from. First of all, we are not recommending centering prayer. In centering prayer, that's where people say the same word over and over and over again and try to remove every thought from their mind. And they'll say like, Jesus, 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 over and over and over again. We're not trying to empty our mind. We are actually looking at having communication with God. Now, it'd be very odd for you and I to have a podcast where all I kept doing is saying your name over and over and over again. Right. Um, it'd be odd for you and odd for me. And that same thing is true when it comes to praying. It's a, uh, you know, we have, we have a high priest in, in Jesus who is our, through him, we have access to God, direct access. We don't have to pray to a, a secondary person. Uh, we don't have to pray to an intermediary. We go directly to the throne of grace. You know, for a lot uh, of evangelicals, that seems self-obvious. But um, I want to say, if you're a mentor and anyone is coming out of mainline um, Catholicism, um, if, if someone is coming out of Eastern religion, um, if someone's coming out of folk religion, there, there's, there's this understanding for a lot of people that they do not have the right to step into God's presence in any way and talk to God. Right. So what they've envisioned is they need someone to speak on their behalf. Oh, that's universal. Right. Everyone right. has that sense. And by the way, it's true. None right. of us have a right to step into God's throne room and speak to God. That's why Jesus does that. But having said it, Jesus tells us that when we pray in his name, we don't need a human mediator. Now, I will say that I want to put one major caveat on that. 
First Peter tells us that we are a kingdom of priests and that we are priests for one another. To say that we do not need a human mediator is not to say that we do not need to be intercessors for each other. Right. We pray through Jesus, but we still pray for one another as well. That was going to be my actually going to be my next question because there there's always confusion about that. Well, if we can go, why why can't a person you know just pray for themselves? And why do we have to pray on other people's behalves? And and we are it's been suggested in Scripture that we pray for others. Now, there's certain prayers though we cannot pray for someone else, and I think that's really important. We cannot ask God to forgive someone's sin. They need to do that because first John one nine, if we confess our sins, right? Not if someone confesses them for us. So we we cannot pray for someone else's sins to be forgiven. Um, We we cannot pray against God's will, right? Anything you ask according to God's will, he hears us, not just anything we say. So I do think there is some wisdom and understanding that while we pray for one another, it's not that everything we say God must do. Well, you bring up an interesting point. I, you know, kind of leads us into another question that uh, comes to mind. And that is, so what is it, you know, you hear people say, well, and our book actually mentions that what, what does it mean to pray biblically? I mean, it, what conditions are there? Yeah. And I, I think when you talk about that, there was, we had kind of a list in the book. I think we can quickly run through them, right? You do not pray with known sin in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, we should pray at that moment. We confess, right? At that moment, we say, God, um, what I did was wrong. Confession in the New Testament means to say the same thing that God says about our sin, right? We can confess sin, but what we can't do is ignore a sin in one area and expect God to hear us in other areas, right? Okay? We need to pray with humility and obedience to God. Um, we We can't be praying to God and having... Um, a broken relationship. Remember that um, in Matthew 5, kind of on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes and says, if you have sinned against a brother, what are you supposed to do? Right. You're supposed to go and, and work it out, uh, ask for forgiveness, and then and go and make make the relationship right with your, your brother. Yeah, and I think what well, it's really fascinating to me, that is in the context of murder and anger, right? Right. And, God, and you're to leave, and by the way, some have said this is hyperbole. I, I guess I don't know if it's hyperbole. I, I think Jesus said you leave your sacrifice right there. You go make things right. Then you come back. Um, I, I think those who want to make it hyperbole struggle with the severity of saying that you're worshiping and praying while having anger against someone that God loves just as much as you. Well, and I think if we hearken back to uh, hearken back, is that old fashioned? That, that no, just no, kind that's of a, a really popular buzz term right now. And all uh, okay. Well, hearken hearken back to uh, our chapter, just the previous chapter on communion and baptism. You know, one of the things that we need to do before communion and before we have the, to participate in communion is to repair those relationships. Is to go and ask for forgiveness of somebody that we've wronged, and um, and it's interesting that that also. Uh, is part of prayer. It's, it's, we need to, we need to clean that up. You know, I, I think sometimes we can get to a point where we so assume that God is interested in hearing from us that we forget to realize that if we are offended, if we are in, have in some way sinned against um, someone who God loves just as much as us, um, it, that's a pretty arrogant thing to just ignore that and think that God will hear us. 
Well, I think one of the other things that uh, we need to point out is that we also need to be praying in line with God's will and, and praying uh, and, and praying in a way that's consistent with scripture that, that coincides with scripture. Uh, I think so many times people are so interested in, you know, what I need, what I want, that they don't really look at scripture and say, well, you know, there's no basis for asking for that. Yeah. You know, in our next podcast, we'll jump in a little bit into this idea of how do you pray scripture? How do you think through the names of God, things like that. Um, And I just think it's super important that when we are praying, that what we are praying is distinctly theologically right. Right. Um, I, I think so often what we do is we've created these, these meaningless statements. Um, the one my dad used to always say was give us this, um, good bread, good meat. Let's eat. That was his little slogan before you went, you ate dinner. And, um, and he always said, we never say that because it doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, we, we want to make sure that what we say is, is accurate and something that God can legitimately answer. Um, in Luke 11 and, and again in Romans and, and so forth, and we mentioned it briefly, what does it mean to pray continually? I mean, uh, how, how would we, in, you know, how would we describe that to somebody that we're mentoring and they, they happen to be reading their Bible and they stumble across Luke chapter 11? It means uh, when you're driving they, down Interstate 70, you need to bow your head, close your eyes, um, <laughs> and then you will very seriously be praying. I'm pretty sure <laughs> It'll be heard well, of. if you're driving down Interstate 70, you need to be praying continually anyway. Right. I was on it yesterday, you know. By the way, I think it's really a spirit of um, having a consistent spirit attitude of prayer. Um, we we shouldn't be making a list that then at the end of the day we just all of a sudden dump what we can remember on God. But rather, I think we ought to have a consistent communication with our Heavenly Father all through the day about every part of our day. He's interested in every little detail uh, of, of what's going on in our lives and every little struggle we have. And then of course, uh, you know, we certainly need to be praying for other believers. Um, how, and that brings up a, a question that I was actually asked a couple of days ago. Um, what day is today? Uh, yeah, a couple of days ago. And uh, do, how do you pray for unbelievers do you can is the only thing you can really pray for unbelievers for is their salvation? Oh no! Um, remember, there's two types of grace that we talk about in theology. There is saving grace, that is the grace that um, that is the foundation. God's grace that is the foundation for our salvation. For by grace you are saved through faith. Um, but there is also common grace, or um, I believe Arminians would call it provenient grace. Um, this is where God prevents us from being as bad as we could be, and he prevents the sin-cursed world from being as bad as it could be. So I think we, we can pray for unbelievers um, that, that their life would not be as horrible as it could be. I think we could pray for them um, that, that they could be healed from sickness. We can pray for them in all kinds of normal ways, but we would never substitute a prayer for common grace uh, for a prayer for saving grace. Um, right. yeah. So, well, I think we're, uh, we're done with part one of chapter six in our book. Um, we've covered a lot of points and yeah. I'm going to have to hit the rewind and, and go listen to it again, I think, because uh, there's so many points that we go through and we go through them kind of quickly, but, uh, foundations, Bible truths for Christian growth is the name of our book. 
and uh, we do appreciate you uh, joining us. Um, we would encourage you at the end of each chapter in the book, or if you want to pick, uh, you know, Psalms 119 or, or some passage of scripture, we encourage you to memorize scripture. There's, there's no substitute for hiding God's word in your heart. Um, I would say too, if we're talking about prayer, if you're a mentor, make sure that as you're teaching about prayer, that you have a consistent pattern of praying for the people that you're mentoring, right? Let's make sure we're modeling what it is that we're saying with our mouths. Exactly. And, and, and that consistent prayer life is how you teach others to pray too. And, and as examples, and then, um, um, we would, we would encourage you to, uh, uh, you know, to be reading the scripture, to, to be studying it individually and, and taking the verses, looking at the verses in each chapter and, and following through on them. Um, it's important that we understand what the, what the Bible tells us. So we thank you for joining us on this episode 14 of the podcast. We'll uh, complete chapter six of our book the next time we're together on Foundations for Discipleship. For Tim Barr, I'm Alan Brace, encouraging you to, to pray for those who are being disciples and for those who are mentoring a disciple at this time. So long.